GarageBand just quit out on me, but let's start it again. Okay, slate it up. This is No One Likes a Tune Podcast. Take fucking a thousand. I fucked up the fucking Zoom. I fucked up. I fucked up the thing. We got a dog in the background. It's everything's fucked. Everything sucks on this podcast. I hate doing this podcast. It is the most frustrating part of my week. I absolutely it is trash, and I'm I f- regret signing on to do it for the rest of my life. Daryl, I don't know if you concur. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> it, it's trash. <laughs> um, I did see a movie this week. It was called Le Mystère de Henri Pic, the mystery Ooh. of Henri Pic. It's a French movie. It was very sweet. It's about a, a dead pizza chef who wrote a book that becomes very popular and a complete fucking asshole who sets out to prove that he didn't actually write the book. Um, it was French. It was lovely. It was like the countryside of uh, the main lady in it. I fell in love immediately with her. I don't remember her name. Uh, the only problem is the protagonist is a total dick bag. And uh, you sort of have to be on his side by the end. And I wasn't really there. I was like, just let it be, my man, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's next fucking movie review out of the way. Um, what do we do? On, I don't even fucking remember what we do on this podcast. <laughs> Can you lay it out, Daryl? Every week from now until eternity, mm-hmm. Nick and I, and sometimes a guest... We'll mm. watch one of the Fast and the Furious movies, at which point we will try to come up with anything remotely small, minuscule, that we can pull out that's different from the previous 17 times we've watched these movies. Yep. Yep. That's the goal. And this week we watched Furious 6, and we are joined by a guest. A guest? Ashley Blanchett is on the pod with us. I have to say, I'm extremely starstruck at this moment. Daryl, I have been watching, and I'm an, you know, I'm an avid fan of this No One Likes a Tuna podcast. So I'm like sitting an insane here. thing to say, <laughs> <laughs> by the way, just off the bat. No, I feel like I'm like, I'm on it now. This is crazy. Like, I'm wondering, Daryl, like, did you have a good cup of coffee? You know what I mean? After all those old cup of coffees you've been having, how's that been going? So, thank you for asking. I had a couple good cups of coffee until I finished 98% of the previous bag, at which point I made the bold move of taking the last bit of my of one bag and pouring it a new bag of coffee on top mm. of it, blending it together. Mm-mm. Bad move. You're just so trying addition, to be a bean completionist. Oh my god! I tried to finish the bag. I was like, look, I can't, yeah. I can't, yeah, I can't drink all these in, in one pot, and I, I can save it or I can throw it away. And I, I blew it. And yeah. so I had mostly good coffee all week until my last pot that I brewed. Terrible. Because you just can't do your own blend. So a yeah, couple takeaways. Yeah, don't drink old coffee. That's a no-no. But also, even if your coffee is fresh, don't try to blend it yourself because it'll taste terrible. Yeah. yeah. Completely. Completely. I learn things all the time on this podcast. That's one of the things I like the most about it. So thank you for teaching me that. Yeah, absolutely. Six months, I believe, is what you said. Six months old, the coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't you say that? Like two months was okay. Yeah. Beyond six is is too far. Yeah. Ashley, you are an actress and you live in L.A. Is that right? 
I live in LA now. I mean, that's kind of weird to say. I still technically live in New York City in Times Square, which yeah. is intense. Um, <laughs> intense place. Yeah, it became sort of like the apocalypse. Daryl, you're in Brooklyn, right? That's right. Bed's died. Is it, is it kind of apocalypse y there? It's very nice here. We had trick-or-treaters out this evening around six o'clock and we have a nice little community going with um, like the dog community. we got plenty of dog friends over here, stooping mm. out. It's nice. It's nice okay. out here. So it's not scary anymore for you. That's, I mean, as much as the president is trying to tell people that it's a ghost town, it's really mm. not. Yeah, even on Halloween, not that many ghosts out here. A lot of living. <laughs> a lot creatures. of living people. <laughs> in New York City. Yeah. Well, my street was 44th and 9th. Uh, that's probably too much. That's a cr- insane fucking place to live. That's wow. so fucking crazy. Why would you do that to yourself? Why would you do that? Well, I work on 44th and 8th. And- Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> Before it got shut down for a long time. But I... Yes. But I would find myself like, you know, there getting drinks with people until like two in the morning. And then I have to wake up really early and be in that exact same spot. And so I was like, it would really be great if I didn't have any commute. Like commute. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm always in this exact spot. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like, I just figured to buy a place, it would appreciate to find that kind of an area. <laughs> Maybe not right at this moment, but hang on. Hang no, in there. Right now it's probably the worst place I could have bought, but I, how could I have known that last? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Ashley and I met at the Weathervane Theater in fucking Whitefield, New Hampshire. Summerstock. Summerstock Theater. She was a SAG actress. Let's go through the hits. What did you do? Hair? Oh, at Summerstock? Yeah, at Summerstock. What was that summer? We did it. You did hair? I did your favorite, the Beatles. The Beatles fucking shit going on. They did a Beatles medley. And I love the Beatles. So I was mm-hmm. like, even me, you hate the Beatles. Yeah. Um, uh, Ragtime. Oh, my God. <laughs> we, did like a, we did like a play that um, that the director there, like the artistic director wrote. It was like a Who is, by play. the way, a certified insane person. Mm. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a really good time that yeah. summer. Yeah, we did summer. it. We did it. But, but Nick did all of the sets, so he would break break the sets down every single night. Yeah, th- wow. this some summer stock theater. This is like in this is in school. This is like behind in inside baseball shit on summer stock theater in New Hampshire. There is one theater that does all their shows in rep. We do a different show every single night, so you have to do a changeover every morning. Yeah, and change the set every day, which fucking blows mm-hmm. and is not fun. And I'm glad I don't do that shit anymore. Yeah, yeah. you don't once you're not 21 anymore. Yeah, yeah, I don't have the bones for it, you know? Yeah. I got these old bones. They're old dying. Bones. Speaking of dying, we watched Furious 6 this week, all three of us. All three of us? Ashley, you is this the first is this the first Fast and Furious movie you've ever seen? Yes. I have never watched Hobbs and Shaw. And it's actually Good. been really fascinating listening to you guys talk about movies that I have never seen before. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have seen it before because I sort of I was really curious to like, you know, kind of know who these characters really were. 
And? I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Hey. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know what? I think I went into it, especially being a female, I went into it kind of being like, this is some mm-hmm. kind of fantasy for a bunch of guys. Yeah. You know, and like, you know, that's like maybe not going to be my thing. And so mm-hmm. I think I was really pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it. I'm so glad. What, what about it did you think you enjoyed? Um, I, I, I like cars. I like the sex of it. I like the adventure of it. I like the heist of it. Um, you know, as long as you're not taking it to be high art, then you can really enjoy it. Well, (laughs) how about you guys? How was your 17th time? Daryl? Uh, I had a decent watch through today. Mm Um, how do I feel about it? I... I thought it was okay. I mean, my my focus usually ends up being in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I was particularly paying attention to, like, when Hobbs shows up and, yeah, his arrival and his, the way that he shows up to Dom's doorstep is presumptuous and it's not friendly. Mm. And they're not it's friends. Not friend. They're yeah, not, they're friends, not friends, friends in this movie. Yeah. And Hobbs is there to use Dom. And he sort of doesn't care if he dies when he arrives there. Yeah. Which is not chill. And sometimes we look back on these movies and we think that, oh, like Dom and Rock or yeah, Dom and Hobbs are friends around this time. But they're not. No, but they, he does get invited to the barbecue at the end. Mm-hmm. So it's like maybe not friends, but family? A little bit? I had an interesting watch through because... I was kind of digging it. And I was like, I got myself in a place to watch the movie. I was like, you know what? Let's just roll with it. Let's just do this. Six. It's going to be good. Um, I was like vibing on it. The Lady Brian, especially this, this watch through, you know, like the blonde lady who's like Brian's evil twin. I was Beth. like, I'm in, totally in love with you. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm, I'm completely into this character. In a way, I hadn't been 17 previous times. But every single time Gina Carano comes on screen, I was like, oh, my God. I'm so done with this fucking movie. 100%. She is so not good. She's really not good in this movie. And really, like, really, really, truly not good. Um, and she kills every scene she's in. And uh, she killed that other movie. What was that? That Soderbergh movie, Haywire or whatever she was in. She killed that movie. Didn't watch she's that just one. terrible. I'm glad people have stopped putting her in fucking movies. Because she's really, 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 really bad. And almost ruins what is a perfect movie. Now, that also being said, her character sucks shit. Like, yeah, she gets in a couple fights. The fight with Letty especially is okay. Good fight. Yeah, good fight. I thought so. But, so she has this big turn at the end where she's evil. Mm -hmm. I was going through and I was like, does she do anything to like hamper the team doing their stuff throughout the whole movie? Mm-hmm. She's supposed to be a foil, isn't she? She's not necessarily supposed to be like screwing things up. She's just. But if she's a plant from Shaw she's, in she's the. She's leaking information. 
She's like leaking information. But like, there's no, right, there's no like setup and payoff of that dynamic at all in the movie. Right, mm-hmm. like I was seeing, I was thinking like, at a moment where they go in, they go to like the guy who built the ramp racers and they interrogate him. And then I was like, oh, right, she must like call Shaw in. And like, that's how she's foiling the plan. She's like alerting Shaw's crew to like their location. But no, there's actually a whole scene where the ramp racer mechanic like, takes out his phone, puts it on, Shaw listens, find out where they are. And then like, that is a good moment for Gina Carano to like sneakily, you know, sort of stab the team in the side a little bit, but Mm -hmm. they don't do that. Then they don't have any indication of her fucking things up for the highway. You know what I mean? It's like all that happens is she is totally on board with the rock and the team. And then she's completely not on board, but there's no consequence to that. Right. There's no precursor consequence and there's no consequence after. Maybe they maybe they wrote some stuff and she acted it out and just (laughs) didn't translate. They were like, you know what, we'll we'll just we'll just go straight. Just be normal and then we'll do the flip for you. Don't worry about the setup scenes. Yeah. People aren't going to care about it. I think the only point was that she was going to surprise everyone at the end by not being on the good side, but being on the bad side. I think that was right. like as much thought as that went into it. Yeah, I think that is. I think that's right. I think that's about as much. Everybody's you know, like, what a twist. Chris Morgan's like typing his thing. Oh my God, what a twist. You know what it should, they should have done is when uh, in the initial like F1 um, unveil scene um, and uh, Hobbs was supposed to get cars for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, she should have stepped in and be like, no, 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 I'll take care of this. Yeah. Let me get you guys some five series BMWs. Yeah. And she goes, wow, these are going to be great and send them over there. Right. That could have been knowing the only that they thing won't to... stack up against the racers. Right. Exactly. That's a great opportunity for her to foil the team's plans, you know, or again, like her calling Shaw into the location where the ramp racer mechanic is like the, they're here in some way, like sneaky, you could sort of show it on the side, whatever. I just think they're, they sort of waste that. Sorry, Ashley, go ahead. Doesn't that kind of blow the cover though of the twist at the end? Like if we see her doing things that are sneaky, then like we're kind of on to her. And the whole point is that at the very end, we're like, Oh, we didn't know. Yeah, I don't think, I think there's a way to do it without ruining the surprise. Maybe it's not like texting, like I'm texting the bad guy, but it's like, like Daryl said of like taking care of certain aspects of the missions in a way that gives her opportunity to foil those plans, you know? It ultimately would make the reveal more satisfying Satisfying. to the audience. Yeah, exactly. Because if you were clever, you could maybe pick up on it along the way you know, and get that sort of self-satisfactory payoff. But there isn't really any payoff to it. It's just sort of this twist that's thrown in there. And then she gets shot in the chest by a harpoon gun. Which is incredibly satisfying. Speaking of people shooting and dying, can you (laughs) tell me why Gal Gadot can't just, like, lean to the side and shoot the guy that's coming after why she has to jump off? Why does she have to jump in order to make that shot and kill herself? I felt like that was like, wait. I had a really good explanation for this one yeah. a couple oh. seasons ago. Yeah. So what the re- the 
So there's something called the Mossad, uh, uh, Mossad style of carrying a gun, and it's specific to the Israeli special forces. <laughs> this this explanation, Daryl, has been refuted by more listeners. I just want no. to tell you, we get really? more engagement over your like crazy Mossad theories. Which, by the way, Gal Gadot was an Israeli soldier in fucking Mossad and has murdered people, probably. But the <laughs> like the deal, like what I don't know, saying? like the Mossad style weapons handling thing theory. It's the idea that. You can't, yeah, that you have to use, that you can, when you uh, draw your weapon, you have to use two hands. Oh. That's why she has to jump off, because she's holding on with one hand, mm. and in order to kill the guy behind her, she has to release, draw mm. her weapon, and cock it and shoot it. Why don't they just shoot the tires of the plane in the first place? Like, when they get there, they're like, this plane can't take off. Shoot the, shoot the I mean, wheel. good idea. That's that good rubber's idea. pretty thick. I don't know. <laughs> but she does, Gal Gadot does in the beginning in Tokyo or wherever uh-huh. they are. Maybe he's Korea? Are they in Korea? With Han? Shanghai. Shanghai. Thank you. When she stands up, one hand, one gun, one hand, another gun pointed uh-huh. at the. It's true. Maybe she has, maybe she has different guns that time. Uh, maybe that's true. I'm not on board with your Mossad style theory. What I am on board with is that like um, Warner Brothers was like, hey, do you want to play Wonder Woman? And she was like, absolutely. Kill me off. Give me yeah, this Fast and Furious shit. Real quick. <laughs> Give me the contract. I'll jump off the car. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, at this point, here's one of my questions about this. Mm-hmm. That I'm watching. At this point, was The Rock as popular as you guys have talked about him being in past? Like, it, it, by this movie, is he, like, the number one? Because, to me, he was the worst. And I, I know it's a controversial opinion, but, like, to Love me, it. every time he says a line, I'm like, oh, what a shitty script. And then I'm like, well, maybe yeah. it's kind of, he's kind of, like, he seems stiff to me and kind of not as interesting as an actor as Vin Diesel is. Well... We're in 100% agreement with that, I think, both Daryl and I, is that, like, Vin Diesel is a man who has almost limitless charisma (laughs) and, like, can hold the frame of a camera better than almost anybody in Hollywood, right? He is incredible. Just by, like, I listened to this other podcast, which I won't mention the name of because no other podcast exists. This is the only one in the universe. But they were talking about this YouTube video that I ended up watching of Vin Diesel doing the other languages for Guardians of the Galaxy for like the group. You know, he plays like that tree dude, Groot. Groot, yeah. And his only line is like, I am Groot. So he's like, I'll just learn the other languages and do the dubs (laughs) for the the fucking like worldwide releases. Hell yeah. (laughs) So the dude goes into the studio. First of all, he's wearing three foot stilts. To like get in the mind space of a tree person. Oh my god! <laughs> and then you see the video is like four minutes of him being like, "Yo, sorry, Groot." Fucking <laughs> 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 doing like all the different fucking languages, <laughs> like Portuguese and like, like Spanish languages for the thing. It is. Um, I mean, it just. But it also just like speaks to what a fucking incredible movie star Vin Diesel. <laughs> You know what I mean? That's wonderful. He's so, um, he's amazing. 
And so my, so I know that there's like kind of content, you guys have talked about how there was contention between them. And so I'm mm-hmm. wondering, like, it seemed to me watching it, knowing that, that like the rock had most of his scenes were like his, his meaningful scenes at least were one-on-one just with Vin Diesel. Mm-hmm. And I wonder like, is that contentious relationship happening by this movie? Is the rock a huge star by this movie? What's the relationship there? Yeah, I don't think so. Well, I think The Rock is a huge star by this movie. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the I contentiousness agree. has set it or like really set off, maybe. Um, yeah, Daryl, do you know, do you want to run through like the arguments about like how those dudes broke it down, their relationship breakdown? Uh, the Yeah, the main points are, right, that, when they signed, right? Isn't it when they signed up for these movies? They signed them up as five, six, seven in succession. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, what happened three there? So they, three picture deal, and then I think through through the filming of the sequences, there was conflict between the Rock's um, other sort of non Fast and the Furious shooting scheduling. Schedule. Yeah, scheduling and the filming of the Fast and Furious movies. Mm-hmm. And The Rock felt that he was, that his other engagements were important to work around such that he would demand that he's like, hey, if you guys want me on this movie, I'm a, I'm a superstar here. So you got to work around my schedule. And why is he a superstar at this point? Because he, to me, is like the worst part of the movie. Well, five made him a superstar. The fifth movie. He comes into the series in the fifth movie and like that, he'd done other stuff, mm-hmm. but that was like his big, like here I am in a big box office. Mo- I mean, those in the movies make a billion dollars, you know, like that's the thing. It's like, you're in a movie and it makes a billion dollars. Like you're doing okay. Sure. He's, he's also been like, a, he was a solo action star before. Mm-hmm this movie mm-hmm. right he did um the rundown and that's right what else was he walking in tall i yeah, think walking is a movie of the rocks um he did that his first movie was like the scorpion king the third mummy movie which is mm-hmm. very not good um he was in pain and gain i'm pulling i'm looking at this pain now. and gain is not before five though but pain and gain is uh, secretly true. a fucking incredible movie and oh yeah, I yeah. I really like that movie. That movie was like top of 2016, maybe for me. Uh, yeah, 2013 painting. 2013. Oh my god! So, so Fast Five was 2011. Uh, Furious Six was 2013. Painting Game also a 2013 release release ahead of Fast and Furious Six. So why do you guys think that somebody who I'm looking at, I'm like. This guy can't say words. Um, <laughs> and why do you think this franchise has been so popular after all your experience? Well, the the not being able to say words thing is it like the some of the rocks line reads are definitely a struggle. And if you go back and watch five, it's much more of a struggle. Like he definitely made like leaps and bounds better. Um, but there is like rock charisma. Like this is before the fatigue. I feel like, um, like San Andreas is kind of great. It's like fun, dumb, 
I'm going to blow stuff up. I'm going to punch things, you know, like I'm going to save the day. I'm going to be the rock. It's all you sort of really need to do. And like the, if my line reads aren't like perfect, as long as I like deliver enough charisma in this movie to attract like a Chinese audience, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Basically. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. He, looks, he, he looks great on screen, right? He looks like, great. That's the main thing. His appearance in itself, like takes over a movie in a good way that people look forward to and that people pay money to see. Yeah, because it's almost otherworldly. Exactly. Right. It's it's so foreign to anything we could imagine in our brains of a human being looking like. Right. I, that you're like, this is kind of an amazing thing to see on screen of like a, right. this person existing. Um. I think the franchise is successful because it's one, it's like well-written they're well-written action movies, like at the, at the core, like they're well-constructed, well-written. Like they don't make perfect sense every single time they get a little outlandish and they sci-fi and like some dip, but like the emotional connection between the family, the core of that emotional connection is there. And we care about those characters. And like, the other thing is Vin and Michelle and when he was alive, um, Paul Walker and Jordana Brewster, who is not very good. Uh, and like, obviously Paul Walker is not a very good actor either, but like their emotion, the amount that they care about this product, the amount that they care, like, translates 100%. Like, all of that core audience, and I think this is another reason why The Rock has traditionally stood out in these movies, and also why this contention point has sort of come to a head, is that, like, they are so serious about making these movies the best that they can possibly. Like, Vin Diesel, all Vin Diesel wants in his truest heart is, like, the Fast and the Furious Furious movies to be the best motherfucking movies like they can possibly be, you know, like he just takes it so seriously. <laughs> um, and the rock does not take it seriously. Yeah. And maybe that's what turns me off. Yeah. He and doesn't take it seriously. About that before. Like if he would just commit. Yeah. He would be fine. Yeah. I mean, maybe he wouldn't be the like outlandish actor charisma star that he feels like he is if he just commits. Like he needs to make those quips on the side or like say like woman, you know, <laughs> fucking like you know oh, that. Bitch. I'm just, <laughs> yeah. that like weird Some machismo bitch. shit. Which <laughs> he then like makes jokey apologies for in Hobson Shaw. Mm-hmm. Right. He needs to do that because he thinks it's like what I need to create is not a great movie. It's a great rock brand. Mm, yeah. I've heard you talk about that before. Yeah. 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 Well, we get repetitive here when we <laughs> No, I don't ask questions that are repetitive that I, that I remember you guys talking about, but it yeah. is kind of curious to me because I, I thought that there was going to be more of an equal thing between mm. the rock and Vin Diesel. And to me, it was like, Oh, Vin Diesel is like the real deal. And the rock is someone that like kind of, I don't really buy. Mm-hmm. Even though he's fantasy great, like attractive, you know? Yeah. Vin Diesel is a generational movie star. Like, <laughs> it's, 
he he's the best. I mean, he's he is the best of all anything he does. Even though like his move, like fucking Brian, uh, Daryl, we watched Bloodshot, right? Uh huh. That movie's not very good. But like Vin Diesel cared so much about it. Right? I see you waving your head around, like thinking about it, because Vin Diesel cared so much about it, and he invested so much of his soul into that ridiculous fucking piece of shit action movie that it tricks you, and like you're watching it on screen, you're like, "Is this good?" <laughs> you know, it's like, "No, it's not." <laughs> <laughs> but I think a good actor should be able to do that. I think a good actor should be yeah. able to, because you frequently have. You know, scripts where you're like, oh, mm, I gotta make this seem natural, and I yeah. think that's part of your job. You know, and absolutely. You can't do that I think, Perna shouldn't be. That's what's frustrating about in a movie so, like this to be like, oh, somebody can do this really well, right? It's not doing it. All right, so here's a hot take. Yeah, hot if, take. If the Fast and the Furious one never existed. Is it possible with the rest of his uh, catalog for Vin Diesel to be a good actor, or does the is the cornerstone of his past of his of his good impression before and after Fast and the Furious totally contingent upon the fact that Fast and the Furious one was an amazing piece through and through, like a historic piece of cinema, right? Um. <laughs> Ashley's like going out of her mind listening to this right now. Historic. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. It is. It is. It's like a cultural moment. It's a uh, you know. It's a watershed. Um. Okay, I think maybe no. Would he have the like cultural relevance that he would have? He would have a very different career. I think. One that maybe was a little smaller, but also maybe a little less movie star. Like maybe a little more like Find Me Guilty, maybe a little more Saving Private Ryan, maybe a little more of those, you know, charismatic, maybe, you know, not not super leading man, but like I'm going to stretch my acting ability to the actual extent of its existence, mm-hmm. you know? Where, which is something he doesn't really do, right? He, I don't mean, when I say he gives 100%, I don't mean that, like, he uses, like, the full talents that he has, that we know he has in his roster. I just mean, like, he knows how to command the screen in a way that, like, very, 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 very few people do. I think I, I would... Think, go ahead. I think I would still be a Vin Diesel fan if mm-hmm. The Fast and Furious 1 never existed. I think I would still be a Vin Diesel fan because of Triple X. Yeah. Xander Cage. Right? Because that in itself, like, it's so say, good. Right? <laughs> say we never, say Dominic Toretto never existed in movie one. If I, if I thought, oh, Vin Diesel equals Xander Cage, I'd be like, yeah, I still like him. Well, are you saying one doesn't exist, like the first movie doesn't exist, but four, five, six, seven exist in their current state, like with Vin Diesel? Yes. Yes. My question really, I think the more interesting question is, would it be a billion dollar franchise at this point? If the first movie didn't exist? I think so. I think they carry themselves fine, like the rest of the Mm -hmm. movies. Yeah, the first one is like nice to call back to. 
But also the other interesting thing about the first movie is Vin Diesel is a supporting character in that movie. Right? Like, That's right. If you're doing the Oscars, Vin is getting put up for supporting actor, not lead in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is not the case with any of the other films that he's in. Mm-hmm. So I think if the first movie didn't exist, yeah, I think the movies would have enough weight to carry themselves. Also, like Riddick has its own fan base, sort of like built in thing in itself, of which I'm a part. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure, man. I don't know. It's a really interesting. It's a really interesting question. Have you seen? You haven't seen the first movie, right, Ashley? No, I have not. Um, you should maybe see it. It's very different. Now I feel like I have to. Yeah. It's very strange. <laughs> Actually, for the purpose of this exercise, you should watch all the movies except the first one and then report back to us and see how you feel about it. See how I like Vin Diesel? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you already like Vin Diesel, so I, I suppose like it's, it. yeah, I suppose it can only go up from here. Yeah. Great. What is your experience out? Do you have experience with Vin outside of the Fast and Furious franchise? None. Yeah. Nothing. I have not seen The Rock and Diesel. None of these. I have not watched anything that they've ever been in. You just lived like such a different life. <laughs> Very different. That's crazy. Podcast because I'm like, what are all these? What's this whole world? Mm-hmm. You know, of men movies. Yeah, there are dude movies out there. But I do think the Fast and Furious sort of cross the Atlantic a little bit. Oh. And the Atlantic being between men and women. The ocean between men and women's taste. Oh, I don't think so. I think no. it's very clearly like for men that the whole, I don't know, like even like the cross fades between scenes or like watching women and they're like asses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah. which I'm not saying I like didn't appreciate, but right. I'm saying like, I think that was mostly... There's notes in these movies for 14-year-old boys, for, for sure. <laughs> a lot of them. I think you're probably you're right. I do know some women who enjoy these movies, though. But that doesn't mean it, like, translates to a whole... Like, they're marketed towards men. That's for sure. I don't know. Do you guys not see it that way? Because you know a lot more about it than I do. I don't see it that way, but I think it's because like I'm in the bubble of like liking these movies and like wanting to defend them. But I think that's you're probably correct. You know, I mean, it's a stereotype, right? Like, so like I like cars. I think sexy cars are awesome, and that could be a girl thing. But I think stereotypically speaking, like the fantasy of like a big guy, like you know, and the women that are kind of on the sidelines, mm-hmm. like that clearly like for somebody who's a guy to sit there and be like yeah and i'd take care of her and i'd have a nice car and i'd have big ass and like and it's awesome like i mean girls have stereotypically speaking we got these like romance comedies so i feel like this is geared but i mean i'm speaking very stereotypically no no no. that's that's uh that's fine i just yeah i mean i agree with you it's like they know where their money comes from and it's mostly like young men who are in who are their base basically and it's a complete male fantasy and like one that's been spoken about by women who act in these movies too of like that they need to come more to the forefront of these pictures in a big way and like 
the Michelle's fucking right. Like they do, you know, like mm-hmm. it's crazy. Um, yeah. And yeah, uh, how come she never, like, even in this movie, it was like, um, I kind of looked at it as like the princess at the very end mm-hmm. who had been taken hostage by the evil guy. Yeah. A spell on her. Like a, it was almost like a, fairy tale situation and it's sort of like well but wait a minute she's a badass driver couldn't she be in the car chase at the end driving and being a badass what you know what i mean but instead it was kind of like she had to get saved by the man and i mean that's waited um as far as just like her being a badass chick herself yeah and like michelle is a case michelle i mean that's completely correct but like in the even worse case is Jordana Brewster's character, who is given absolutely fucking nothing to do fucking ever in these frames, <laughs> like on a level that's just poopy, you know, <laughs> like she, she's been in a car like t- in my memory, like really like twice. Twice? Yeah. And one is extremely short. The opening of five. Yeah. She was like this in front of the screen. Yeah. Yeah. This is the woman with the baby, or this is the woman who turns evil at the end? No, it's the woman with the baby. Oh, yeah. I was just like, oh, she's just there to like pick up the phone and be like, everything's fine. I'm taking mm-hmm. care of the baby. I have no life. Don't worry. I'm, I'm happy about it. And even when she doesn't have the baby, she's like on a computer in the room being like, take a left on the, on the next boulevard. It's like, come on, get her in a fucking car, mm-hmm. please. Yeah, she can drive. Is that part of the fantasy, though? Like, that, you know, these are women that are kind of there to fulfill the sexual needs that happen every once in a while, and then the guys can go off and drive the car and do the thing and live the life? I don't know that it's part of the fantasy, but I do believe it's part of, like, the negligence of having a predominantly male writing staff for the past 10 years who, like, just don't, particularly give a thought to like doing that you know what i mean like putting women in like sort of taking the lead of action roles that they feel like they've done okay by these characters until an actress depending on these movies for her paycheck speaks up and says like i'm not doing any more of these motherfuckers until you guys have a little bit you like have a better roles and better representation for women in these movies you know which is what happened but, you know? so, but so much of like how women are shown in this movie is to be that sexual fantasy sure. that I wonder if they did allow women to have more of like an empowered position that it would be threatening to the franchise. Right. Financially threatening, you think? Financially? I mean, just, just as far as like the fact that this is about a fantasy world, right? Kind of. And I wonder if like, the fact that women are these sexual beings, that that idea would be somewhat lessened or threatened by women being just as capable. Right. I think the studios only give a shit about money, right? right. So it's like, if you have a prominent female character who is like taking the lead and getting in cars and doing stuff and the movie makes money, like they'll, they're whatever. They don't give a shit about it. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? But it's all brand. Yeah. And I think that the creators of this franchise has sort of seen it that way of like representing that. I don't know if they've taken on like representing a male fantasy, like that's been in their mind, but like 
trying to create a getting locked into like certain type of narrative that they have been wary to stray from. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Hold up. I mean, so later on oh, we have Daryl. I mean, yeah, I, I definitely, I see the, I see the train of thought here. Like we have, we have the, the wavering story of Letty, right? She is Dom's girlfriend. Yeah, Dom's childhood girlfriend. She like dies a little bit. She comes back to life. We get that path, but they're trying to redeem themselves, right? They bring in. Um, see the the main the main tool that they have here is that they should have had Charlize drive in the later movies. Yeah, and we've t- definitely talked about that too. Of like in yeah. a Charlize should be in a fucking car ever she should once drive. in the fucking movie. As the main villain of the movie, she should be in a fucking car. Not in an invisible airplane. It oh, doesn't, my God. It is and so frustrating. Right? Yeah. Like, they wrote the script. They got Charlize there, and they're like, oh, we should put her in a car. She can fight, too. Like She, she yeah. can fight. She's she can do everything. Stuff. She's great at this stuff. Now, there are situations, I don't know if there's a situation there, where it's like, all right, we got Charlize for, like, 10 days, like, I can't, we can't, we don't have like time. We got to like stick her in a box, have her do her scenes in the box. And then like, she gets to go do whatever else she needs to do. Like mm-hmm. that happens. Um, but I do think I have a friend who has a very quippy line. That's like underwritten female characters are either saints or nags, you know? Sluts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Saints, sluts. Saints, Thanks. sluts, or nags. I yeah, exactly. And like, it's a virgin. It's a like stripper, or it's a like a witch. Right, <laughs> right. The virgin, and like Charlize falls into like the witch thing a little bit, right? Of like the super sci-fi hacker who can do magic with her keyboard, but sits in a fucking room and doesn't do a lot. You know what I mean? And like, doesn't have any dimensionality really to that character very much. So I think that's a problem with the franchise that I don't think that they have truly dealt with or addressed or tried to correct, or even if they can't like correct, at least like try to expand the roles that women play in the world of these movies, you know? And like Jordana falls into this. She is a saint, right? She like 100%. She's like there for the team, no matter what, no matter what she has to do, sit on a fucking like keyboard and look at the thing or hang out in the mm-hmm. DR with just the baby and take care of the baby. And like, it sucks basically. But I think it's a, the movie might be, the movies might be successful because they play into that cultural thing that we have, that we've taught men that like, this is, these are the sexual, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a moneymaker because it plays into those stereotypes. Mm. So well, I don't, know that i agree with that okay great um that's what i'm here for to push buttons go ahead no i love that but i don't know and the hard thing is like we don't have the alternate test case really of like the fast and furious with a female lead that is like test driven and like either does really well or doesn't do so well right like we 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 can look to other franchises and like show that like one woman made a fucking billion dollars with a big female lead and a supporting male cast and a female director. And like Captain Marvel is like made a gajillion fucking dollars. Now is that movie the best movie in the fucking world? No, 
but like there are female led movies and like and big action franchises mm-hmm. um that do well but the fast and furious itself we don't have like the test case on the other side that being said i think like what your thought is is a thought that like the studios have had and the creators behind this franchise have had for a long time. Like the, that thought actually that has been in sort of bodied in them of like, if we stray too far from the machismo male led action driven thing, we will not make as much money and we will not be as successful. I tend to think that that type of studio thinking is antiquated and wrong. I agree. Right? And the result and the result sort of is kind of repulsive. Right. That's why yeah. that's why the rock character kind of sucks. Yes. And will not age well. <laughs> right. <laughs> Already is not aging very well. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but like if you give studio, if you give creators and you give writers like a chance to break out of that antiquated thinking, like the results have been speaking for themselves in the past few years. Black Panther was the at like the biggest fucking release of the year right of a of a of a movie that was often seen as like what do we what do we do with you know like what do we do with it are people going to go see this is it going to be successful is this character going to be engaging like do we need to take and that's why they introduced them in the movie before right is so that like people could acclimate themselves to having like a fucking black superhero right which is like insane um but I think breaking out of those like antiquated studio ideas of like what is a successful mold for a franchise is beneficial for the audience. It's beneficial for like representation of actors and actresses in these pictures. It's better for creatives who get more opportunities who maybe haven't had those opportunities before. And it's fucking better for the studios because they get to make more fucking money, you know, from a larger reaching a larger audience. Like, Mm -hmm. I personally think that expanding this universe in whichever direction that it needs to go culturally is like only a beneficial thing to me. I know that like, that is not everybody's thinking. I think those people are fucking stupid things, but like, that's how I feel about it. Like I'm, I'm pumped like to get women in cars in this fucking franchise, please. You know? And in the ultimate driver's seat, like I, Justin Lin's a great director, but like, and I know he signed on for like three more fucking movies, but like, let's, let's get a fucking female director in there, please. For the, you know what I mean? Please. I wonder how the movies would change if they had more women in the creative team mm. side, you know, like what, what would the differences be if it wasn't just all male driven, you know, putting women in these boxes? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't like my hope is my like idealized cultural hope is that like that much would fucking change, you know, like obviously you get different perspectives and like you treat material uh, in a different way, but like it would be just as competent or incompetent as any other fucking movie that they fucking made in this franchise, you know, which some of which have been totally competent and some of which have been completely incompetent. You know? <laughs> I mean. But I'm saying, like, is some of the attraction of this movie the fact that 
the man is driving and he has a woman waiting for him at home with the baby who doesn't drive. And is that part of what's like makes this makes money for this mm. franchise? I mean, if they were, to, if they were to make those changes, if they were to have her suddenly be driving with the baby in the backseat, or I don't know what they would do, but like, <laughs> you know, how could they, how, if they did make these changes, would, would people kind of be like, that's not what I bought into. That's not, you know what I mean? Like, or you think people would be, go with it? Oh, Daryl, what do you think? I rock with some new stuff. Yeah. There's only so many times you can show it. Like, all right, here you go. Shift. Yes. Like, DOS. <laughs> like, we got it. We got it. That makes sense already. She's pretty hot if she was like a badass in secret. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And she is in the first one. That's the crazy thing. It's like in the first fucking movie, she like gets in this car with, or if I'm, we were talking about Jordana, like she gets in the car with Paul Walker and like drives him around and he's like freaked out. And like, it's one of the most electric scenes in the whole movie. Right. Um, so the whole thing about this is that the next like fast nine has been made and it's like done already. It's done. It's in the can. So I'm curious, like when we eventually get to see the finished product, like yeah. how 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 much will have changed in the past year that we would have watched it to when we're gonna watch it, and if the if the content's gonna be stale at that point, is that possible? Oh, for sure, it's for sure possible. It could be. I mean, I like to live in a world where it's impossible for this next movie to be bad. But it's completely, it is completely possible that they just drag out the same tired shit and like give the fans, especially now it's like, oh, we got to do the Han fan shit and we got to do, you know, it's like, okay, not that interested in Han coming back. I'm interested in like them doing something different a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Let's come out. I will say, I don't know that like part of the sexualized fantasy is that there's like, I mean, and I can really only speak from my perspective, but like, I don't know that like the sexualized fantasy is that there's like a woman waiting at home for, for like me to finish the mission and then like go home to this woman. I think it's like, I mean, there is definitely a big proponent of like, let me get out there, drive big, fast cars, save the day, and then, like, fuck whatever I want, right? And, like, that's why there's all these sexualized, like, beach babes hanging out everywhere. Like, I think that aspect of the sex stuff is, like, definitely prominent and, like, weirdly in there a lot of the time, like, forced in there a lot. I don't know about, like, the domesticity part, but, you know, there are a lot of women that get fucking pregnant in these series, <laughs> which is, like, a weird, a weird amount of them. I wonder why it's in there. You know yeah, what I mean? So, no, what's it fair. so much of the movie is about like what's a, a hot fantasy. Even the, the cars themselves, the plot, I feel like the domesticity of it seems like it would be a, another element of like what's attractive. You may be right. And it may just because like domesticity in my experience is not a very attractive thing. You know, I'm like not into it that way. But I don't know. Um, do you guys want to do shout outs? We're running long on this one. <laughs> Can we get through some shout outs? Let's hit them. Um, Daryl, what do you want to shout out to this week? This week, I'm giving an 
anti shout out. I know I give yes. an anti shout out. I think I got three anti shout outs in a row. I'm running real negative the past mm. few weeks. Yeah. But I gotta give space. another I gotta give another anti shout out to my Apple ecosystem over here. I oh my god, it's brutal. It's garbage. Like I got the phone, I got the computer, I got the other computer. Here's the, the goal. Watch? I was got no watch. Mm-hmm. I can't even trust a watch at this point, no, given yeah, my I'm current experience guy. with my three Apple devices. I was like, look, all I want, very simple request. I want to get this unreleased Kanye West MP3, and I want it in my phone so I can use it as my wake-up ringtone. Nice. My alarm ringtone. Difficult thing to achieve. Impossible. I couldn't do it. I tried all the <laughs> tricks in the book. Because... Like iTunes is now Apple Music. Apple Music doesn't give a shit about your own um, digital files. They're in business so they so that you can subscribe to their mm-hmm. monthly thing or purchase iTunes like songs. Yeah. But like they don't give a shit if you have a music file. Maybe you made it yourself, maybe you downloaded it off the internet, but they don't give a shit about that file and getting it from wherever you got it onto your phone. Yeah, the file management system is one of the most difficult things in the universe to navigate on the Apple products. It's terrible. So, yeah, actually, look a little bit confused. So, like, if, so for example, think yeah. to myself, like, how would I get a file from my laptop iTunes onto my phone? I needed to. Yeah, so there, it used to be really easy. You just like plug it into your computer and you just like click it and you drag it over, and that shit is done. Mm. But they've created a whirlwind of options which lead to fucking nowhere because mm. <laughs> it's impossible to do that. I was very confused when they switched all those functions, the sync functions over to the finder. Uh-huh. So it used to be like iTunes synced everything, but then they got rid of iTunes. And now it's just like in the finder, like your phone comes up. If you plug your phone in, it comes up in the finder. But that's like impossible to deal with. My phone wasn't even coming in the... Up in the finder. I had to upgrade That's my wrong. operating system. I had to do my phone thing. I saw my phone in the finder and I was like, all right, I see the file I want. MP3 file, move to phone. They're like, no, we don't do that anymore. Yeah. And you can't download the MP3 straight from the internet to your phone either. Cause, Cause like, where does it go? You? Where does it go? Yeah. When where you download a file on your phone to your phone, where does, where does it go? Where does it go? Where is it? Where is it? Isn't that you can't fucking find it? It's in a file. Where? <laughs> so if anybody knows how to get Kanye West 80 degrees, aka Hurricane, from an MP3 file unreleased, you can't get it on Spotify, you can't get it on iTunes. How do I get that onto my phone? Please let me know because I think it would be a wonderful alarm tone. Okay. All right. So why don't you can you record it somehow? I mean, I want it to be, you, but you, you want, want that quality. Yeah, all right. I want it to be like normal quality. I don't need yeah. to be crazy nice. I just need to be normal quality. Yeah. I feel like the voice memo is not going to cut it. Yeah, that's a desperate move. You don't need that. Ashley, what do you want to shout out to this week? Well, you know, I think that today I'm going to shout out to AAA because oh. I had a flat tire today on my way to work. And I pulled off the highway and I called AAA and they had somebody there very quickly. And I think the only thing that I would say about it is that I feel like they need to update things in that 
it took me a really long time to describe where I was because I was like in the, in the middle of nowhere on the highway, who knows where. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like in 2020, you should be able to just be like, hey, you're grab a pin. Yeah. And especially like, you know, if you're in an emergency situation, which you often are in a moment like that and you're stressed out and you're, you're having to be like, I don't know where I am. I just, I feel like that would be a great move for AAA to just be like, drop a pin. And I agree. I think they should do it. However, I am a strong believer yeah. in knowing the numerical system of the highway you are on and understanding the mile marker system north and south of how the, like where, so you can pinpoint your location. I'm like I am on I-90 between mile marker 40 and 41. <gasps> no. All highways have mile markers on them. Nick also was very upset when they introduced the electronic library system. They're like, no, Dewey Decimal System, it was great when they invented it. Like, it's unnecessary. I'll just make sure I know all. I know how to read the codes. Yeah, Nick misses the Dewey Decimal System. Well, Library Congress system is better, okay? It actually allows for a larger range of library cataloging, which is fine. Like, Dewey Decimal has limitations, all right? Uh, but you're yeah. that when you're driving on the highway, you know exactly the markers of where you are at all times. It's on the side of the road every fucking mile. Oh shit! Oh, man. Yeah. I will say, so I was a triple customer for a very long time. I like switched to Geico, and they have their own roadside assistance thing. And I got a flat tire at some point. I don't know, like maybe less than six months ago, and I called for a roadside service through my Geico app. And when I talked to the person, they're like, oh, we see your car. You've enabled location services. You're right here. Is that where you are? We'll send a tow truck. And I was yeah, like, maybe just triple yeah, A. Yeah, so yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shout out, anti shout out. Well, I will say the longest you would have to walk to find out where you are on a given highway is a one tenth. <laughs> one mile. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And I did see your car, though. I did see the picture you sent me. You had the flattest flat tire I've ever seen. My that shit was shredded. I don't know what was really terrifying because I feel like I couldn't have. Like, I, thank God there was a shoulder available because for mm-hmm. a while it wasn't, and mm, yeah, happened. I was fine for most of that drive until about two minutes before I was to the destination. And okay. Then the wow. Time. I also have sort of a safety related shout out. I was uh, at work the other day. And um, there was a forklift that was driving. You know, it backs up, it beeps, but when it goes forward, it doesn't beep. And there's a forklift, and the guy sitting in the forklift is a big one. I'm down on the floor, and I sort of saw it. I was fine soon enough, but he stopped because he saw me because I was wearing my high-vis vest, which is what I want to give a shout-out to this week, the high-vis Construction guys in the U.S., I mean, I guess on the, on the, in the movies, like, no high-vis. But here, it's, like, on set, in the construction office, anywhere, like, the stuff is being moved or built, you have to wear a high-vis vest. Like, when you're, I'm, like, A-plus to that. I'm way in Daryl! Oh, mine's in my car. I would put mine on. You've got it. Is that for your bike riding? Yeah, mostly for bike ridings. Uh, I sometimes wear it when I snowboard as well. It's mm. extremely useful on a ski slope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'm pro high vis. They really, he saw me, he stopped, he let me pass. Well, I'm with my day. Didn't get injured. Wow. So, wow. and you were, you were on foot? I was on foot. Yeah. On the stages. So, pretty good. That's all I want to shout out to. I'm done with this pod. I'm fucking tired. I think we did a good job. I think we did a good job. Ashley, what do you think? Yeah, that was the least enthusiastic two thumbs up I think I've ever seen in my life. Oh, no, I feel good about it, really. Okay. Thank you for having me. I'm very, you know, like I said, very flattered to be on this podcast. Do you have anything you want to plug? Hmm. Not that anybody listens to this. Uh, no, no, not at this time. Cool. Not at this COVID moment. So cool. got just keep on keeping on everybody. Um, well, if you want to keep on, I don't know, I was going to do it, but I'm not going to do it. Fucking Twitter, we're on Twitter and we're on Instagram and we're on um, email uh, and we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash no one likes to do the podcast. You know, they said to me, they said, Nick, build an audience first, get a following, really build up, you know, your listenership and get a, I said, before you do a Patreon, I said, nah, fuck it. I'm just going to toss it out there. See what happens. Uh, and the answer is we have three amazing people who are our patrons who we love and support us. And uh, there's a bunch of extra content. Yeah, salute to you. And uh, there's a bunch of extra content on there uh, for Resident Evil stuff. We're planning a Riddick series. And uh, yeah, it sucks, but we, we, like, we love you guys. So uh, get on the Patreon. You can throw us a buck if you want. One dollar. Uh, and uh, every little bit gives us one more dollar. That's what it does. So, anyway, if you want to do that, otherwise, um, go fuck yourself. I don't want to hear from you. So, um, I, I'm gonna sign off. I'm done with this podcast. I gotta take a nap. I'm cranky. I'll do it for us. It's a. It was nice to meet you, Ashley. Thank you for joining us today. Too. Bye. Till next week.